This is the Front Page Podcast from the Red and Black. I'm Alex Antioch, bringing you our April 2022 Election Special Edition episode. Monday, April 25th was the last day to register to vote for the May 24th local election. This week, we will discuss the candidates who are on the ballot for mayor, governor, and the United States House of Representatives. First, we'll be speaking with News Desk contributor Erin Deal about her coverage of the Stacey Abrams 2022 gubernatorial campaign tour. Then, News Desk contributor Alonda Rocha will discuss the 10th District GOP forum hosted by the UGA College Republicans. Finally, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Chair and News Desk Assistant Dania Kalaji will give us an overview of this year's mayoral candidates. Please note that while we are covering a large range of candidates from city and state elections in this episode, these are not the only candidates running for office. For a complete list of who to expect on your ballot, visit our Athens Election 2022 Explainer, linked in the description of this episode. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Hi, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah. And um, to begin, could you tell us a little bit about who Stacey Abrams is? Absolutely. Uh, Stacey Abrams is the Democratic candidate for governor for Georgia. She previously ran against the incumbent Kemp in 2018 and lost to him, but she's running again. She is a business owner, um, has lots of experience in politics, and um, is just running on her uh, statewide campaign right now. Yeah, and who is her main opponent or opponents in the upcoming election, Mm -hmm. and what are her critiques of the current system? So her main opponent right now is Kemp, who is the incumbent. She really critiqued his status on healthcare, saying that she thinks there should be more hospitals and more funding for those who are having trouble affording such care. And she also really emphasized the importance of Medicare and how a lot of her constituents and supporters have used that and rely on this to get support. Uh, She also critiqued Kemp's support of the constitutional carry, which was just passed. This type of open use of gun in public spaces is not safe for most Georgians. Yeah, um, if I recall, I think the bill specifically referred to people not needing a license Mm -hmm. to carry a handgun, um, which is a little different than what gun laws used to be like in the state because you used to need a license for a handgun, but not for a long gun. Mm -hmm. And that's the main change there. Um, And yeah, I was wondering if you could uh, unpack a little uh, what the current health Uh, platform is like in the state and what she is um, running against, if that makes sense. Yes. So um, Kemp is really, from what I've gathered through this reporting, is cracking down and really not giving as many 
opportunities to those who can't afford. It's more leaning towards those who are of a higher um, economic status. And she wants to give more access to those who don't have insurance and just thinks that the Medicare platform is really beneficial for a vast majority of people who are not as fortunate as some others. And she also discussed the minimum wage, but she thinks those with smaller wages would benefit from programs such as Medicare because it helps spur growth for um, those and just make sure that they're safe and can function in society. Yeah. um, And in your article, you also mention uh, that her platform includes prison reform and some education reform. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you'd be able to speak to what she said on those topics during her event. Um, Stacey Abrams mainly said that she thinks that prison reform should be more about rehabilitation into society versus criminalizing previous offenders and just labeling them as that offenders when she thinks that they should be reincorporated into society and um, because then when they're reincorporated, they're more likely to have a sustainable job and help spur the economy and just contribute more in that sense. So she thinks that prison reform should be more about the person versus the crime. Gotcha. And um, one of the sources you quote in your article praises Abrams for, quote, failing forward. Mm -hmm. Could you speak to what that means? Yes. So she said that failing forward was more related to her previous loss against Kemp. So she ultimately failed to win the election, but she didn't stop. She said during her campaign stop in Athens that she never stopped rooting for Georgians, fighting for her campaign platform, and she really wanted to work to the 2022 election. So since that loss in 2018, she's been working on this campaign, still being active in the community and sharing her thoughts and what she hopes for Georgia. So she failed initially, but she's still progressing up until this point in the campaign. Gotcha. And what did the people you spoke to at the rally think of Abrams' campaign? Most of the people there were supporters. Uh, A lot of the people there, too, were just there alone to get more insight about the campaign. There was somebody that I spoke to who had previously moved from Seattle within the past year. And she said this was her first time voting in Georgia, and she just wanted to be informed. And she's normally votes Democrat, but she wants to see if Stacey Abrams has the campaign platform that she agrees with. So I would say that a lot of people were holding her signs and cheering for her and confirming when she was speaking that they agreed with her policies. But also there was some questions within that and some people who support one issue but not another. Yeah. Could you speak to any examples of some of that skepticism? Yeah. So um, there I spoke with one older woman. She's not referenced in the article, but she was concerned about how to pay for health care because she never had one of the struggles with Medicare. Um, so she was coming here to learn more or coming to the event to learn more about that and um, just see personal experiences. I believe Abrams spoke about her niece who went to the hospital once and they didn't have the adequate insurance. 
And so this woman learned about her stance with Medicare and how some people don't afford that and how they can get the adequate uh, help from healthcare professionals in that way. All right. And um, is there anything else you think it's important for the listeners to know about Abrams' campaign platform? Yeah, I think she also really emphasized that she is a minority, that she's a proud African-American woman going against two white men. And she really emphasized the strength in that. Um, So if I assume for some voters, that's really, really important because um, they see themselves with that representation. And she was really proud and she spoke about her family and how she grew up with her father, who was a blue collar worker. So she understands a lot of what most Georgians are coming from. So she didn't really speak much on the policy of that, but she really did hit home how important that was to her in her campaign. Up next, Alonda Rocha will tell us about the candidates in the United States House of Representatives District 10 Republican primary. Hi, Alander. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Thank you for having me. All right. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about the Republican candidates running in the primaries? Uh, Yes. So um, we have eight candidates running for the Republican primary ticket. Um, Out of those eight candidates, six showed up to the uh, event that the college Republicans hosted here at UGA. The only ones that didn't show up were Mike Collins and Timothy Barr. Uh, Timothy Barr provided a statement at the beginning of the uh, the event. He said that his whole family, including himself, came up with an illness uh, last minute and therefore they could not attend. Uh, Mike Collins did not provide a, um, a statement in lieu of his absence. Uh, so yeah, so these are the eight candidates. It should be a very interesting election because we have Vernon Jones, who's uh, endorsed by Trump. And we have Timothy Barr, who's endorsed by Jody Heiss, who is the uh, previous uh, congressman who is retiring. And um, what are the GOP's policy priorities moving into this election season? So a lot of the GOP priorities are they talked a lot about inflation. They talked a lot about education. So these are hot topics going on right now in our country. So they're obviously going to... um, talk about those, um, especially with education. We have critical race theory, um, and that's being talked a lot about in uh, government and in elections. Um, So that's a really hot topic right now. Um, Another issue that they talked a lot about was a leadership issue in government. So this is where they talked a lot about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, Vernon Jones, he specifically said that on day one, he will start um, impeachment proceedings against them. Uh, So there's a lot of talk about how they've mishandled COVID um, restrictions, how they've mishandled um, opening up the country, and uh, how they mishandled inflation. Yeah, and I was wondering, like, are there any specific um, things they cite, like anything they would have done differently when discussing um, these criticisms, um, or did they propose any solutions? So that's really interesting because uh, Colonel Alan Sims, uh, he said that he worked in the Pentagon and he was director of energy policy. 
And he's alluding to um, inflation and the uh, energy prices right now. And what he said was that his job was to establish energy independence for the United States. Mm. He said that his role was small because the DOD is such a small part of government. But he said that, you know, in his role, he had to develop partnership with companies around the nation. Um, And so he said that this is the kind of policy that he would uh, push forward um, in as a leader. He would push for uh, partnerships around the country. Uh, It seems that Vernon Jones is the candidate that takes the biggest issue um, with the way things are currently being run. Um, Did he uh, bring up any solutions? He he did not. He spent a lot of time um, actually defending his Trump endorsement Mm -hmm. um, from the other candidates. The other candidates feel that you know, there were a lot of um, backroom conversations um, on how he got that endorsement because he was running for governor um, and now he's running for a congressman for the uh, 10th uh, congressional district. Um, so, you know, when he when he talked a lot, uh, he, he mentioned his uh, his endorsement a lot, um, but he didn't really mention much about uh any policy that he would have done differently. Yeah, and I'm honestly really curious about that because um, in the gubernatorial race, um, it seems like there is some similar tension between um, Brian Kemp and David Perdue, Brian Kemp obviously being the incumbent and Perdue being his um, same party challenger. And based off of um, your observance of um this rally and kind of digging into this um what are like the different attitudes in the republican party at least from the people that you observed um of these trump endorsements yeah so that's something that's going to be really really interesting to watch out for in the next few weeks um i spoke to um emmanuel who is the vice chairman of the college republican And he said that, you know, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how much the Trump endorsement matters at this point, two years out of his presidency. Um, So, you know, right now it's going to be really interesting to see if Vernon Jones will get that uh, nomination um, because of the Trump endorsement or if another candidate will prevail without that endorsement. It's really interesting because uh, Paul Brown, who... Um, represented uh, the 10th district before, he considers himself pro-Trump, and he considers himself the pro-Trump candidate, but he does not have the pro-Trump endorsement. Uh, So that's also going to be really interesting to play out. Uh, I also spoke to uh, Josh Gregory, who's the chairman of the College Republicans here at UGA, and he said that he believes that the Trump endorsement will be very important still two years out. Kind of Pivoting uh, to, I guess, things on a more local level, um, are there any local issues these candidates are hoping to address in addition to their more national platforms? Yes, so a local issue that they really hit on was the uh, Rivian plant that's um, coming to Georgia. And, you know, all the candidates, uh, they acknowledge the importance of economic development. Uh, They acknowledge the... um, the money that it's going to bring in, but they also acknowledge the fact that the uh, citizens around that plant did not have input 
um, on, you know, the size of the plant, where that plant was going to, like, uh, with uh, traffic flows, all of that. Uh, the citizens had a lot of concerns that uh, the candidates said that they were not heard. Especially uh, David Curry, you know, he brought up concerns about tap water, about uh, service levels in local government. Uh, so he said that there could have been a much better job at telling the individuals um, what they can expect from the plant. And this is kind of circling back to something that you mentioned earlier, but it seems like some of the candidates you spoke to, their background and previous career play a big factor into why they are running and why do they think they should be in office. And I was wondering if you could speak to these backgrounds. Does anyone um, stand out? And um, obviously, I am personally curious about um, what Vernon Jones's background is like, um, and whether he alluded to why he has this um, endorsement from the former president. Yes, we had a lot of people who stood out in terms of their experience. Uh, So Paul Brown, uh, he served in Congress for the 10th Congressional District from 2007 to 2015. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Vernon Jones with the Trump in- endorsement in DeKalb County, he was CEO for around eight years, and he served the Georgia House of Representatives for about six or f- uh, seven years. Um, and during his time as CEO, uh, he mentioned that, uh, you know, he did a lot of projects that involved turning uh, gases into renewable energy, um, and all of these um, policies that he pushed for in terms of um, environmental policies. Gotcha. And kind of speaking to that, in um, last week's episode, we discussed how climate change has led to an increase in the number of natural disasters Georgia has experienced over the last 20 years. And our writers talked about the importance of looking at political policy when addressing these issues on a larger scale. So I'm curious, did any of the GOP candidates um, address the issue of climate change or offer any solutions? Yes. So actually, this was actually a question uh, that was posed to them. So they all actually had to say something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answers varied. Um, so we had candidates who didn't really believe that there was uh, the scientific data to support um, global warming and climate change. So Paul Bryan, he, um, he said that he, you know, there's no scientific data that supports global warming. Uh, so he said that all the data um, is based on models and models can't really predict the future. And on the completely other side of uh, the aisle, um, we have uh, Colonel Mitchell Swan, who said, uh, quote unquote, we must be good steward of the environment. Um, and he says that this is resources for future generations. Um, so there was a lot of um, varying answers when it came to how we address uh, climate change. Yeah, so you actually fact-checked some of the claims that these candidates made, and I was wondering what the research uh, you did uh, shows about whether or not climate change is a factor that we should be concerned about, and I was wondering if you could speak to that. Uh, yes. So um, so basically, uh, w- 
what uh, Colonel Alan Sims said was that he doesn't believe that men is causing climate change. Uh, he did acknowledge climate change is happening, but that men is not causing it. Um, but in fact, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a group of 1,300 independent scientific experts from countries all over the world. Um, so they concluded in the fifth assessment report. So this came out a few years ago. Um, in fact, the sixth ass assessment report just came out. And uh, they concluded in 2014 that there is a more than 95% probability that human activity over the uh, past 50 years have warmed the planet. Based on your article, it looks like there were a lot of different opinions among the candidates regarding racial division in the country. And I was wondering if you could speak to those. Uh, yes. Yeah. So this was... Um, the very last question asked in the evening, um, it was a question posed by an audience member. And, um, you know, it, when, when it was asked, uh, it, Colonel Mitchell Swan um, had to answer first. And uh, he said, you know, 45 seconds for the most sensitive um, topic in the nation. And he answered it by saying, you know, like, I believe that, you know, when I was growing up, this didn't exist uh, in the 60s, 80s, and 90s. Um, so I don't understand why uh, this is happening today. So he didn't necessarily answer the question as much as, um, say, his experience. But a lot of the other candidates blamed um, the other side. So they blamed uh, the Democrats uh, for kind of making this an issue. Um, including Vernon Jones. He's the one that, you know, that said that uh, this is largely on liberal Democrats. Um, and other candidates, you know, they referred to, um, you know, the racial divide being here because we're teaching CRT in schools, um, which is in fact not true. CRT are not taught in schools. Um, and then we also have uh, Mark McMain. Uh, he said that his wife is an immigrant from Mexico, and when they first got married, you know, he told her that, you know, she should be prepared for the quote-unquote classic racism uh, that she could face. But he said that, you know, that's not hatred. That was just ignorance. Um, and his kids are half Mexican, so they've experienced similar things. Um, but, you know, one thing that he said is that um, whenever they are traveling, campaigning in the 10th district and when they go to GOP uh, events, that, you know, his family is welcomed and embraced graciously by um, everyone in the room. So he doesn't really see this racial divide that the country is talking about. Yeah, thank you for speaking to that. And we discussed this off mic and absolutely no worries if you don't feel comfortable um, speaking to this. Um, but um, as a journalist and a person of color uh, with all these um, conversations about racial division going on, um, what was the experience of covering this rally like? I mean, so I really enjoy politics. Um, so for me personally, I thought it was a learning experience. Um, so I grew up in the South. Um, I grew up in a very conservative environment. So for me personally, uh, it wasn't uh, necessarily uncomfortable being there. But, you know, it, it was very apparent that I was one of the very few people uh, that were not white or I was one of the very few people of color. 
um, there. Are there any other issues that were discussed uh, during the rally that didn't make it into the article? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so two issues that voters might be interested in learning about uh, before they go and vote on May 24th is uh, the candidates, they discussed um, marijuana legalization and they, across the board, they were all um, against um, recreational marijuana. Uh, the only uh, candidate that uh, signaled he was for medicinal marijuana was Colonel Mitchell Swan. Uh, he said that, you know, people going through cancer and, you know, have to get chemotherapy, um, and people who suffer from seizures, uh, medicinal marijuana might be a good treatment for those conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other issue was on the border, on the southern border. Um, and, you know, across the board, um, you know, they all said we need stronger border protections. We need a wall. Um, the only candidate that was not for the wall was, um, again, Colonel um, Mitchell Swan. And he uh, he said that he's for um, tougher border security. He just doesn't see a wall um, really doing that. Our final guest is Danny Kalaji, here to let us know about the candidates running for mayor of Athens, Georgia. So, Dania, uh, who are the candidates who are running for mayor? Okay, so we have six candidates running for athens Clark County mayor. Um, that is Fred Mormon, um, our current mayor, Kelly Gertz, Mykeesha Ross, Pearl Hall, Mara Zuniga, and Benny Coleman III. And what are some of the major issues uh, they brought up during your Q&A sessions that they hope to address, and how do they plan on doing so? Right. So I think a lot of the same topics were brought up throughout each of the interviews, and when we're talking about, you know, the city of Athens, um, I reference a lot of different, you know, crime statistics, homelessness, gentrification, downtown redevelopment, just a lot of current things happening in Athens and that have been happening in the past four years. Kelly Gertz as mayor. So I think a lot of the same trends that were coming up and, you know, from their answers was homelessness. Um, A lot of them really want to focus on the homeless community and how they can improve that, how they can um, also just, I think, primarily get them off the streets into a safe place. And so a lot of the concerns, you know, were surrounding the homeless population. And they were also all talking about child education and why that's so important. So, for example, in my interview with Benny Coleman III, he was talking a lot about um, the black students and black kids, and he quote-unquote said that he does not want them to end up um, in a bad situation or something where they won't be able to flourish and go to college and, you know, continue with the rest of their lives. So a lot of um, different child education plans initiatives were brought up, maybe even like a life class, um, as Mara Zuniga um, brought up in one of her answers. So I think that they all have really interesting and differing um, outlooks on how they can improve the city, but they're all kind of striving for that same um, idea. And also going along with child education was mental health. Um, And a lot of that mental health, you know, those initiatives were focused on the youth and how they can really 
um, you know, focus on that particular demographic and knowing that a lot of these issues stem from the parents themselves. And that's what a lot of the candidates were saying. So, you know, it's not the child's fault, but we want to make sure that they are in a safe environment, an environment to grow um, and really just, you know, thrive throughout the rest of their lives. So I think they all had, you know, pretty similar outlooks. Yeah. And how do the backgrounds of these candidates play into their platforms? Right. So looking at these six candidates, it's very, very interesting to see that they all come from um, extremely different walks of life. And I think that plays a big part in, you know, what they want to see accomplished. So for Pearl Hall um, in specific, she really wants to focus on the um, the senior community, the elder community and, you know, helping them get to the polls and really just being that voice of reason for them. And I think, like I said before, a lot of them were talking about children like Benny Coleman. The third really wanted to focus on that Um, demographic primarily. But I think that since they are all, you know, from different backgrounds, ethnicities, races, um, and walks of life, you know, some of them have lived in Athens their entire life. Some of them are new to the city. Um, I think that all just really weighs in on the different initiatives and different, you know, campaign goals that they're striving for. Yeah. And uh, does anyone have any specific critiques of the way the city is currently being run? And if so, how do they plan to address these? Right. So um, I think a lot of the candidates, like I said before, homelessness was brought up a lot. And there were some critiques on, um, you know, current mayor Kelly Gertz and how um, they could step in and probably do a quote-unquote better job at, um, you know, fixing the homelessness problem in Athens. And whether that means, you know, physically removing them from the streets um, or, you know, being more friendly or a voice of reason to them, they all had, you know, different things to say about that. Um, For the most part, I think one thing that I took away from most of these Q&As was that um, each of these, you know, mayor candidates wants to be more of a personable leader. Um, Ones that, you know, you see on the street and you can go up to and say hi and, you know, not feel uncomfortable or scared. Or someone that, you know, directly goes into these communities, you know, in their free time and is working one-on-one with a person. How can I help you? Um, How can I be the mayor that you want me to be? Um, And especially with Pearl Hall's interview, I will say that um, I did really sense that She wants to be that voice of reason. She wants to be face-to-face with each of the Athens citizens. So um, I think just, you know, addressing some of the issues that have already been happening in Athens and how they would do it differently and also just, like, being a more um, personable leader in their words um, is that where they kind of strive to go. And also, specifically, I remember this from Mara Zuniga's um, Q&A, she was talking a lot about transparency of the city government. Um, You know, there have been particular instances where she's noticed that communication between the city and between Athens citizens hasn't been super clear. And that really weighs in on, um, you know, public opinion and how everyone can, you know, raise their voice and speak up a little bit. So I think, you know, advancing that Um, transparency between the government and between Athens citizens was another important topic brought up. Yeah. And what about the incumbent, Mayor Kelly Gertz? Um, Are there any changes he would make um, if elected for another term? 
Right. So um, I don't think there was any, you know, distinct differences um, or, you know, newer ideas that I guess were brought up um, in our interview. But I do know that he mentioned because of the momentum that has he has been striving toward for the past four years and just in his position now, um, since he is still probably in the middle of new ideas and new initiatives, but his term is ending, um, you know, he said that he's in the middle of this great momentum. So, you know, being elected for mayor again would allow him to fulfill all of those different initiatives that he's been working on um, at their full pace and, you know, really giving them the focus that, you know, he wants them to have. Yeah. And is there anything that didn't make it into the Q&As that you think it's important for voters to know? Right. So I think, you know, I did talk about, you know, some different city problems, like I mentioned, like gentrification, downtown redevelopment and whatnot. And I think that um, something that is important for all of the readers to do is just really do more like extensive research on these candidates. So, you know, these Q&As do give you an insider's look into who they are and, you know, what kind of campaign they want to run and what kind of leader they want to be. And I think that's great. But, um, you know, before going to the polls, before voting, I think it's still important to um, know exactly who you're voting for, know um, who you're putting in this position, because, um, you know, that's really important for the rest the next four years um, that we'll see here in Athens. Um, but if you want to learn more about each of these candidates, I would highly suggest and encourage everyone to attend the um, Red and Black is hosting an mayoral debate with the Athens Banner Herald and Flagpole Magazine, which will be on May 2nd at 6 p.m. And it will be at the Cine Lab, which is where the Cine Theater is downtown. And um, it'll be set up, you know, like a debate, like a forum. So uh, we'll be asking them questions. I'll be co-moderating that as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I'm very, very excited for that. And it will also give me a deeper look into um, who each of these candidates um, are. So I think for the community at large to learn more about who they're voting for before they get to those polls at the end of May, it's really important to go to events like this and really immerse yourself in who they are. This has been The Front Page. The Front Page is a production of the Red and Black Publishing Company. If you want to learn more about the candidates running for mayor, check out the mayoral debate hosted at Cine on Monday, May 2nd at 6 p.m. or on our website at redandblack.com. Make sure to download our app, keep up with us on social media, and check out our new health podcast, The Athens Frontline, hosted by health editor Simran Kaur Maholtra. We hope to see you next week.